Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. My name's Darren and I'm here with Faith. Hi. Pastor Faith. And we will get to the sermon in just a little bit, but we wanted to make some time and space to talk about something special that we've been having on Sundays. And it's a new song that Pastor Faith, you and your husband, Josh, wrote, and we've shared it with our community. Tell us a little bit about it. What's the name of it? Yeah. And where did it come from? Yeah, so it's called We Need You. Um, and I, I'm going to root this in 1 Corinthians 2 when Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Um, the, the first thing that was written for this song was the beginning of that bridge section that says, We don't need better plans. We don't need clever thoughts. We need your Spirit, O oh God. We don't want the wisdom of man. We want we want a display of God's power, which is really what the world needs. They don't need to see a show, or even in the area of worship, they don't need to hear good music. We need to see a display of the power of God. So it came from that heart cry. And then the beginning of the song kind of sets up this space where we invite Holy Spirit, we open our hearts, we clear out all the distractions, the things that get in the way and then just simply cry out for more of Him. And it's this this longing to be a, a space where the Spirit would rest mm-hmm. as a community. Yeah, I love that. That's such a the heart and core value of Garden Church. Exactly. Knowing that the Spirit is present, like He's welcome to the party and we get to celebrate. And I so appreciate the beauty and creativity that you've been cultivating, not only with worship, but just something that we can invite the rest of our community into. And, and it's so cool when, when uh, in the recording of this song, it's the first time that we shared it. And it's like people have been singing it for weeks. <laughs> and it was just such a cool thing to experience. And so we're so happy for those of you that have experienced that with us on a Sunday morning. And we want to see just more original songs being birthed from this place um, that you're talking about, just being saturated in the Holy Spirit. So we are welcoming you to stick around after the sermon where you can hear a live recording of the song, We Need You, and I hope it blesses your heart. Garden Church Podcast. It's good to be uh, with you this morning and to um, kind of continue our conversation uh, as Jesus has, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, kind of outlined his plan to take over the world and save it. And he as you will probably have noticed, is not intended to do it with big movements. It's not through governments. It's not through programs. It's not through uh, initiatives. It's through individual persons who are absorbed into their culture as salt and light and vibrate with the nature of the kingdom in the way they run their marriages, in the way they handle their singleness, in the way they are persons of integrity at their places of employment, the way they are people who are um, people of integrity in all kinds of different ways. Uh, We have tried big deal righteousness, and it doesn't work very well. Uh, But Jesus has never been about big deal righteousness. He's almost always been about little deal righteousness, where you, in your patterns of relationships, uh, maintain 
the nature of the kingdom and the king in whose image you have been created uh, in a way that works its way into the fabric of whatever place of employment you are, whatever. That's why this place on Sunday morning is not the primary expression of church in the world. If we want the kingdom to come in Long Beach the way it's come in in heaven, uh, it won't happen here on Sunday morning. It will be as you, who are the church, are the church out in the world where the front lines of, of mission and ministry is required. So, so that's what chapter five is about. Chapter six turns the corner and begins to say, how do we then, as the people of God on mission for and with God in the world, how do we reorient ourselves around the three classic markers of Jewish piety? Alms, giving, fasting, where Jesus reframes it from repentance to strength training, and prayer, which is less about our orientation uh, in public towards God and more about the primary way we partner with God to save the world. Prayer becomes, in other words, this kind of all play, everybody in, everyday engagement in the forces, uh, with the forces of the kingdom of heaven as they work their way out into the world. And then Jesus kind of, it's almost like he catches himself in a way, and he says, oh, this is going to be really hard for you folks, isn't it? Because you're going to come up, hit your head on the fact that you live in two kingdoms at the same time. The kingdom of God has come and is coming, and you continue to live in the kingdoms of this world. Oh, that's going to leave a mark. We're going to, that, that's going to create some challenges for you, isn't it? That's going to be, going to be problematic because you're, you're made of the dirt. You're built for the planet. You're built for place. You, you love your, your stuff. And, and, and the kingdom is going to say, you can't love it more than the king. And that's going to be a problem. You feel the tension between the material world that you were created of and to whom you were sent, to which you were sent, and the eternal reality to which you were called. Anybody else feel the tension between those two realities, like every, every minute, right? And Jesus is saying, I got to give you some strategies to live in the world, but not be of it. And so that's what the last half of the sixth chapter is about. He begins here in this, um, uh, um, kind of, he starts in verse 19 where he says, don't store up for yourselves then treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but instead store up for yourselves treasures in the heavens where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Mm. But if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Nobody can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
Anybody wish he hadn't said that? Where are you anchoring your soul in your soul's security, your soul's identity? Where is your soul at home? Where is your essential being at home? That's the conversation. And he begins with this, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. He knows the pull of the dirt. He knows the longing for the, for the, the things of this world, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the, the pride of the eyes, all of those things that have gotten us into trouble since Genesis 3. Remember, it was when we stat, stood and looked at the tree and thought, oh, oh, that can secure my future. It's not just good to eat. It's not just attractive to look at. It has the capacity to give me wisdom in the structures of the world that I live in. I want some of that. And since then, and by the way, when I say we, I mean we. It wasn't Adam and Eve, it was us. We were there. It would not have gone down differently had you been there. You were there, and this is what we ended up with. Are we clear on this? I mean, it's really, and by the way, anybody else see the tree pretty much consistently? You get the idea that you can game the system by acquiring knowledge you were not built for. And this is what Jesus is calling out. Don't be surprised when your heart follows the trajectory of your eyes. He's not saying your heart will be there sometime into the future. He's saying that's where your heart is right now. That's where your will is directed. That's where your desire is directed. That's where your longing is directed. If you don't change direction, you're going to end up where you're heading. So he says, don't store up treasure. Don't, don't find yourself enamored with the things of this earth. Don't, don't get all your heartstrings wrapped around the stuff that Mark, now Jesus is not above having nice things, but he's saying this might be why you can't have nice things. It's not because you break them, it's because you don't. It's not because you can't handle them, it's because you let them start to handle you. Do, do you see what he's after here? Jesus knew how to enjoy good food and good friends in pleasant places. Paul, one of his friends, says, look, I've learned how to be at complete contentment whether I have it or don't have. Oh, that's a trick. That's what he's after here. That's what he's after. Prison, palace, doesn't matter to Paul. And that's what Jesus is arguing for here. Not, not that we despise those things, although candidly sometimes the, the hooks in our heart are so deep that the only way we can avoid captivation by the things of this earth is by the denial of their pleasures. You can understand why the aesthetics went the way they did. They go out to the dead. I'm not arguing that. I'm not saying that that's what it has to be. But I am saying if that's what it has to be, that's what it has to be. When I'm walking guys and gals out of pornography, for example, one of the things that we may have to do is get a dumb phone. Because you can't handle a smartphone. You think it's smart. It's smarter than you are. Do, just, do you understand what I mean with that leap of illustration? Everybody knows what I'm talking about. I just, that just occurred to me, and it now occurs to me that it might not make any sense to anybody. 
but are we, are we tracking? In, in other words, what, what he's saying here is, is where you set your heart, where the trajectory of your heart is, is, is that's, what, that's the treasuring. That's the treasuring. And, and one of the things that we have tried to do here from the, from the get-go is, 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 is invite you into the power of a greater attraction, a, a cultural liturgy that pulls you out of the worship of the mall that pulls us out of the worship of, 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 the, of, the, of the possessions that will anchor our souls. Again, nothing wrong with them in and of themselves. Money is not the problem. Money is a marker of values, and that's what the problem is. Do you see where he's going here? He's saying treasures on earth, that set of heart, gets nibbled away in bits, stolen, misplaced. It's not about, again, whether you have money or a lot of it or not. In fact, candidly, some of us who have the least resources are the most tied tightly to the dirt. Greed is not specifically reserved to those who have. It's for those who want to have. And that will, that will anchor you. That will anchor you. And, and Jesus is aware of how this works and wants us to, 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 be, to be aware how, how much of our devotion to the systems of the world that he captures with this phrase mammon are really driven by fear. I mean, this pandemic has revealed how much of the mammon spirit has taken residence in our hearts. And it's, it's about fill in the blanks of all of the things that we fight with each other about and demand our rights on. Wait a minute, is that the nature of the kingdom or is that the nature of mammon? Do, do you see where I'm, where I'm going here? And Jesus is saying, look, this, this, is, this is the point. It, 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 it's a trajectory, not just of now, but it's a trajectory of eternity. How do you use the resources you have been given? How do you use them? Does it traject you? I don't even know if that's a word. Is that a word? It is now. Let's say that. I love that word. Anyway, does it traject you? Does it create a trajectory towards the kingdom of the heavens? Or does it anchor you more deeply in the dirt? Because I grew up in, a, in an age back in, an, in, an, in the old country, um, it was last century, where we used to sing a hymn like, um, I'm just passing through. This world is not my home. Anybody old remember that? I'm just passing through. We don't sing that anymore because we've got wall-to-wall carpeting in the tent. We've hung expensive works of art on the canvas of the tent that is our temporary dwelling place. And we are loath to leave it. Jesus, come back soon, but can I take my stuff? Uh, Wait. (laughs) What? What? So he invites us to say, don't Put your hope, don't put your values in, in, in the things of the world, whether it's partisan political positions, that can be as much a mark of mammon as having 
resources, financial resources, yeah. All of those things that we count on to give us security, that we count on to affirm us in our identity, that we count on to, to secure us in place. Part of this fading, dying, decaying world that is going to be replaced as the king comes and establishes his kingdom. We need to place our feet on the solid ground of the kingdom, not the drifting rowboat of the material world. And here's where the problem comes. And I hope that you tracked with my little illustration there, because you've all seen the YouTube videos, the guy steps foot on his rowboat, right? One foot on the dock, one foot on the boat, and the boat starts to drift off. That's the next part. If your eye, the, the, the eye of the lamp is the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. What he's saying here is that he's, he's, he's using an image that would be common to his people, to his understanding. The view was that light entered the body through the eyes. And that if the eyes were singly focused, both focused on the same thing, and he uses it obviously metaphorically, then, then, the, then there was a pure flow of, of alignment of light into the body. But if one eye was looking in one direction and the other eye was looking in the other direction, he's now speaking of the eyes of the heart, what ends up happening is no light gets in anywhere. There's darkness inside because you're looking at, you, you, no, no, both, both, so that, yeah, and, and because it's, you got your foot on the pier and, and, the, and, the, uh, and you think you're smart. You think I've secured my future. You think I'm going to be okay. I've figured out how to stand on the land and on the rowboat. Oh, no, buddy, you're going down. <laughs> and here's what he says. How great is the darkness of the guy who thinks he's gaming the system? You're not gaming the system. Mammon is the player. You're being played. And Jesus says, I, I don't want you to do that. We got stuff to do with your stuff. We got re the reason I gave you your resources is not so that you can have them and enjoy them first. I want you to have them and enjoy them second. But the reason I gave them to you was so that they could be utilized for the king and the kingdom. You see, this is why stewardship is the image here. And, and here's, here's, here's where this works for me. I, I'm embarrassed to talk about this. But have you ever found, this is me, so, so I'll just say me. I have a friend. I've discovered a, 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 a wormhole in my heart that wants to be thought generous more than actually to be generous. You see how deceptive mammon is? That's why Jesus says, don't, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. You're going to outsmart yourself in about two seconds and find that your reputation is what you're really after not your participation in the stewardship of the kingdom. Oh, Lord, I recognize that tug of the mammon spirit, if you will. That mammonistic, or here's another one for me. I don't know if you guys found yourself doing this, but 
in the last several weeks, there have been plenty of occasions for me to criticize how other people are spending their money. And I just want you to know I'm not happy. <laughs> if I had trillions of dollars, I could do actual good with it. I don't know if Jesus is talking to you about this, but he's never once, never once, despite my brilliance in this particular area, never once asked me what I thought of Jeff or Elon. I, 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 I have opinions that I think Jesus would be pleased to receive. As it turns out, not so much. He doesn't care what I think about what they've done with their trillions. He cares what I've done with my hundreds, my tens. And I'd rather talk about Jeff and Elon, frankly. Anybody else know, recognize? <laughs> yeah, man. That, oh, here's another place. This starts to work itself in me. My pride prohibits me from receiving the generosity of others. I don't let their souls breathe in obedience to what God has asked them to do. Oh, no, I can handle it. I got it. Really? Can you say mammon? Because that's what that's reflective of, at least in me. Probably not in you, but in me. That's where it shows up. Because I think somehow receiving means that I'm not capable of doing it myself. Memo to self, I'm not capable of doing it myself. We're built for collaborative, cooperative relationship. That means I need gaps in my capacity so somebody else can fill in the holes. And when I say, oh no, I've got it, I don't got it. And my brother, my sister, is not strengthening me, nor me him. You see how this works? It's just so subtle. It's so insidious. An enthrallment to mammon. Certainly as a failure to give, but also as a failure to receive. The, the key in all of this is the heart set. Heart, what's your heart set on? That's that's what you treasure. That's what the focus of your, 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 your life is. Because the problem is not wealth. It's how you got it. And now that you've got it, what you do with it. And can we just say again, folks, we're wealthy. We're wealthy. Maybe not in dollars and cents, although compared to three quarters of the world's population, we got it going on here. If you had a place to sleep last night, if you have a roof over your head, if you're not worried about where you're going to grab lunch, you're, you're, oh. by the way, no shame in the, any of that, right? You, you with me? There's no shame in any of that. The, 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 the key is, where's the heart set? Do you think you deserve it more than the folks who are in Haiti wondering when the ground is going to stop moving? Mm. No, no, no. What am I going to do with what he has given? What, is, what am I going to do with it? And the pull, the, the, the tidal 
toll of mammon is so strong in our culture. We are being pummeled with targeted ads, whatever they might be. And it's scary how quickly you do a quick search on X, and before you know it, you are being targeted as a consumer of X. Right? What's going on? Uh, uh, let's see if we can find a song that this heart will start to dance to. So Jesus just says, it's not going to be helpful for you to try and negotiate between the realities. You only get to have one priority. We've talked about this before, but priorities became pluralized only about 25, 30 years ago. And it has insidiously worked its way into our culture until we no longer realize you can't have priorities because priority means first thing. There can only be one first thing. If you have priorities, y'all don't. So Jesus is just saying, nobody can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Notice, language of the heart. You cannot serve both God and money. How do we, how do we come back from the brink? What's the attraction of the heart? Can I just really be candid again? It's too late, isn't it? Some of us has mammonized our families. Some of us have mammonized our jobs and our houses, our relationships. And please don't hear me say there's anything wrong with any of those things. There is not a single thing wrong with any of those things unless they take priority over the kingdom of God and his righteousness in your life. Then they're going down. Because when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, no other kingdom and no other will will be satisfactory to that outcome. He's very happy for you to enjoy the wonders of this created world. And I can guarantee, I was talking to my spiritual director earlier this week uh, about a, a journey that I have been on having read a book called Being Mortal. It's talking about end of life stuff. I'm old. And I've been thinking about dying. And about thinking about not wanting to die. I don't. And he asked me, why? And I had to think about it. And my answer was, there's so much beauty in this world that I still want to see. I wish I would have said, because I want to be with my family, but they came second. God has no problem with you enjoying the taste and the fragrance and the splendor of his creation as long as it doesn't distract you from the creator who stands behind it. And he knows, he knows our hearts. He knows our hearts. And so Jesus says, watch yourself here. Watch yourself. You're going to be torn apart. 
Here's the solution to not be torn apart. Have a priority. Next week we'll talk about what that is. Spoiler alert. Kingdom of God and his righteousness. Otherwise, he says, you're going to be anxious. You're going to be pulled in two or three different directions. So this pandemic that we have been on has focused attention, our hearts and minds, all of the things over these last year, this last year and a half, whether it's pandemic or partisan politics or justice issues or, or the financial things or all of it, all of it. Can anybody else just feeling the flood tide of mammon distracting you from the kingdom of God and God's righteousness? So Jesus is inviting us to keep heart focused, keep mind focused, to live our lives in good stewardship of what he's called us to do and to be. And of course, money is a, a marker. Sometimes we have to do the right thing so that our heart gets in line behind it. I, I, I wish, I wish, I wish I could do everything from pure motives. I've not done a single thing from pure motives my entire life and I don't expect to start now. That's not, I, I, that's just the way I am, I'm sorry. I still, however, need to do the right things for the right reasons, and if not the right reasons, I need to still do the right thing. That's why I tithe. I want to make sure that my first decision about my money is headed in that certain direction. I want to make a decision about that. I want to be clear on it, and I want to let that govern where the rest of it gets spent. Because I, as it turns out, am not the senior partner in my life. I have a senior partner. And he wants to weigh in on the resources that he has provided me. You with me? By the way, if we all did that, and, and, and we talk a lot about generosity here. Why? Because we are. We are. We are a tremendously generous church. God bless you. God bless you. There's stuff that he wants to do through you. Some of you have, have, have been able, by the grace of God, to leverage your creativity, the opportunities, et cetera, et cetera, right? And, and now you're at a place of saying, what decisions do I have to make? What decisions do I have to make? Yeah, Exactly. Consult the senior partner. Bring him into those conversations. And it's not just about money, but sometimes it is about money. Stewardship is a matter of relational obedience, not comparative analysis. Stewardship is not determined by what somebody else has done with their one wild and precious life. Stewardship is what have you done with your one wild and precious life. Um, I wasn't going to do this, but I got two minutes. I have been asked consistently over this last year and a half if these are the end times. The goal apparently is if I knew, then I would make adjustments in my way of living. No, you wouldn't. Everybody okay? <laughs> I have been teaching college for 25 years. 
cramming for the final exam is never a good solution. Learn the stuff. Set the trajectory of your heart, and guess what? You'll end up where you're going. You don't have to worry about end times. Of course it's the end times. What'd you expect? This is just the beginning of the end. Life flourishes. So set the trajectory of your heart in the way that Jesus identifies. And it will still be hard at times. It will still be challenging at times. You will still have difficult decisions at times. You know the ones that are the most difficult to make? Is when he says to you, you decide. I'm with you on this one. Knock yourself out. Let's have fun. You with me? Let's pray. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church. Spirit, oh God, destroy.